Anyway, stop flipping me off. Anyway. <laughs> Just get on with it. Welcome to Everything in Between, the podcast where a dad and daughter duo delve deep into topics ranging from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and, well, everything in between. I'm Emma. I'm the dad. That's Anish. Uh, and today is March something. 11th? 11th, 11th. yes. So uh, we usually record on Sundays, but now it's a Monday. Yep. I wonder why We're that like happened. shaking it up. Whoa, that is not my fault. That's your fault. My story has been ready to go. How we could have done we... it on Saturday morning. We don't do it Saturday. We do it on Sunday. But we could have done it Saturday morning. We, we could have done it Sunday morning. And yeah, so. We couldn't have done Sunday morning. Why not? Liverpool game. Oh, yeah. That's fair. We could have done it at 2 a.m. I asked to do it last night, and you're like, um, uh... Excuse me. In my defense, I was really tuckered out from SAT prep. All right. So, yeah. Oh, whoops. Anyway, how was your week? So, let's see. Liverpool won on Woo! Sunday morning. Oh, Sunday morning. Liverpool um, won. So, there's still a point behind. It was 4-2, right? 4-2, yeah. And actually... First goal was crap because it was off a corner kick, went right in on the corner kick, but they pretty much obliterated the goalie, so it should never have been a goal. And then, honestly, the next three goals that Liverpool scored, pretty much Burnley gifted them. Like, I mean, all mistakes. Well, the first one, maybe not so much. Well, maybe a goalie mistake. Second one, no, second one I have to say, too, was, I mean, clearance-wise, the third one, the goalie just kicked it right to Mo Salah, and he brought it in, and then um, basically uh, Mane put it away. And then the fourth goal was they actually they brought it to 3-2 with just a couple seconds left um in extra time and then the fourth goal they went up to with the score but uh but that's good and um and today March 11th Andy Robertson's birthday happy birthday Robbo just want to make sure that's a jersey I have it's from Scotland we're having Scott Scottish salmon tonight it's it's just all about Robert all Robertson right. there he's pretty cool um and then uh and then t- Wednesday Champions League big game big big game against Munich and uh, it was 0-0 in the first leg and we're away so basically if we score a goal and tie in any way or win we're through if it goes 0-0 we'll go to extra time PK so basically we need to score a goal at minimum and at a minimum tie with scoring goals basically right. is that it? what else do you want me to talk about? I, I don't know, like your non-soccer week, anything happened that was fun? Like... Look, soccer, true crime, or ghosts. <sighs> okay, well. And you still haven't figured out my hint, right? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, I was very confused by them. All I know, whoops, all I know is that it's a ghost story, pretty much. Well, it had to be. It didn't have to right. be. There are no rules So, hey, how was your podcast. week? Um, pretty good. No, I'm trying to think back. To Saturday night. Week. I'm not, I was going to let you talk about something. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 
Oh yes. Well, we got to we went and saw Captain Marvel. Uh, it was amazing. I wanted to like like punch the air in excitement. It was just a rockin' movie, and I can. It's just yeah. It's it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, it was really great. Um, pretty sure we pre-ordered it in the theater or something, right? Yes. Like pretty much right after we saw it. Absolutely. Uh, definitely would recommend really good movie. Just, just, that's all I got to say. It was just really good. It was well done. It was. Um, cause I wasn't even really expecting anything cause I didn't know that much about Captain Marvel and I was like, Ooh, I don't, I don't know. Let's go see it. And afterwards I was like smiling from ear to ear. It was so good. Um, but yeah, definitely go see that also this is a very recent development um that we probably wouldn't have said if we had recorded on sunday because i only saw the new and that's why we drink episode ow new and that's why we drink episode today um but m covered the uh the maryland goat man for their story and the they made the same goat person joke so I'm going to pretend that they, they listened to that episode and was like, and they were like, yeah, that's a good joke. I'm going to use it. I'm going to pretend that that happened. Probably didn't, but um, yeah, I'm just hey, going to. Yeah, you know, whatever makes you happy. Yeah, I got to. Yeah. I'm just going to be my own little world here pretending that Fair I'm enough. much more important than I am. Anyway, yeah. um, I don't really think there's much else to say. There were no big concerts that we just forgot about. I guess. I got to drive in the city for the first time. You did on very narrow roads after more snow. Was not that great at it. No, you did fine. Just that again, when there's that much snow. And when the there roads... are cars on the road, it's really stressful. They should probably stop doing that. <laughs> again, I don't think it was the cars on the road as much as it was the amount of snow that was basically with the banks and then narrowing regular two-way streets. Actually, our street's not even. It's a two-way street, but it's really a single. It's so tiny. Yeah. yeah. Oh but, my goodness. Uh, it was really strange because what we were doing, we were basically just doing like turns around like our house and driveway. And it was strange because I'm like in past summers of my life, we would always like crash and everyone would just like go that way with our bikes. And it was so <laughs> weird to do it with a car. And I was like, oh my God, my childhood is over. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, but I think that's, that's it. Yeah. All right. Then let's jump right in. Okay. So what I've got for you this week is true crime, as you may know. Um, and I'm going to tell you about a lad named Carl Tanzler. Does not ring a bell. Well, I mean, last time you said it didn't ring a bell. I got through like the second bullet point and then you were like, I know this story. I didn't say I knew it. I just said I was familiar with it. Mm. Okay. Look, well. I'm old, so there's a lot more that I've heard, read, listened to than you have. 1877? Some of the young years. <laughs> okay, well, that's where our story starts. Okay. Um, so, Carl Tanzler, a man of many names, uh, he was either born as Carl Tanzler or George Carl Tanzler on February 8th, 1877, in uh, Dresden, Germany. Okay. Uh, so during his childhood, uh, he claimed 
to have been visited by a dead ancestor who revealed the face of his true love. Uh, I quote, wait, quote, an exotic dark-haired woman. This happened in a dream, like he was just sitting around. It, um, it didn't. It wasn't very clear about whether he was dreaming this or whether, like, I think we should take he, like, some liberties here and say that he was having a pint, sitting down, <laughs> just thinking about the day, and then all of a sudden, poof, an ancestor showed up and said, "Hey, check out this chick." <laughs> He's a child. He's having a pint. What? I said during his childhood. Oh. Okay, so he was having a glass of milk, sitting down, <laughs> going around, was just, you know, reading the, the comics of the day, the funny papers. The funny that's, what, that's what they called it at the time. Oh my God. And then, wow. Ancestor shows up and says, hey, you'll marry this chick. Wow. All right. Um, I mean, I didn't say he would marry her. I just said it's his true love. So. Okay, so let's start over. He was having a glass of milk. <laughs> Yes, okay, well, um, fast forward to 1920. Uh, he's 40-ish. That's, a, that's, a, that's not like a fast forward. That's like a leap into the future. 40 years. So the skip button on the remote, now he's 40. Okay. It's like the chapter click click. Okay, the chapter click click on the remote, he's now 40. Okay. Uh, he marries Doris Anna Schaefer. She uh, dark hair? I don't know. I couldn't find any pictures of her. So, I don't know. So, is the whole thing a lie with his milk? I guess you're just going to have to wait and see. Okay. Um, so, he had two children with her. Uh, one of them died due to diphtheria. Pretty not great. Not at all. No. Um, Probably then, common. Yes. Diphtheria just... Ugh, don't like it. Anyway... Uh, in 1926, uh, Tansler moved to America. Uh, he settled in Zephyr Hills, Florida. Uh, and then the next year, he just sort of left his family in Zephyr Hills uh, and moved to Key West, Florida. Um, which, by the way, uh, do you think do you do you know any other reasons Key West is famous in the paranormal true crime world? I don't think I want to know if you're going to mention somebody specifically. What are you thinking of? Okay. I'm thinking of a paranormal thing. All right, go ahead. I'm thinking Robert the Doll. Isn't that Key West? It could be. I thought you were going to bring up somebody that, you know, lived in Key West because I feel like he would. I don't know what you're talking about. You can tell me later. Okay. Um, ZB. I'm still really... I was trying to give you some initials, but okay, go ahead. I don't know anyone with the first name Z, like with starting with Z. Oh, okay, you're still, you're gonna show me who it is. Zach Bagans. <laughs> I don't even understand, but go ahead. Oh my God, no, 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 no! I was talking about Robert the Doll. Um, but what a dude. Okay, so, uh, the next year. So you moved to Key West. Yes, moved to Key West. Any particular reason? Um, I guess just cause. Okay. Uh, he, but he didn't. But he just bring abandoned his family. He just abandoned them. Okay. Um. So clearly, she didn't have dark hair. <laughs> I guess not. Uh, and the next year, he left his family in Zephyr Hills to move to Cuba, Florida. Blah blah blah. Uh, and became a radio radiology technician at the U.S. Marine Hospital. 
So on his U.S. citizenship papers, uh, his he called himself Carl Tanzler von Kosel. <laughs> and then on some of his hospital records, uh, he his name was signed Count Carl Tanzler von Kosel. So, like I said, man of many names. Um, it's so crazy that it probably worked. Yeah. I, I don't know. Because I think people would be like, why would you make up that name? That's got to be real. Yeah, he's a count. Whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> so now we're in 1930. It's April 22nd. Tanzler meets uh, Maria Elena Helen uh, Milagro, Milagro de Hoyos. Okay. Um, so she is a local Cuban-American woman uh, who had been brought to the hospital by her mother, for examination and all this comes from like i was reading a little bit about her i don't think i get into it here but she like got married when she was 16 uh and then she had a miscarriage with her husband and then he left her uh and then like she was feeling poorly so her mother took her to the hospital um she was like depressed you mean or she was no having, she was she had like physical sick illness okay yeah and then um actually a lot of her family Actually, I'm going to get into it later. So, Tansler immediately recognized this woman as the one he had seen in his earlier visions. And he actually had two visions, I think, of this exotic woman. Not just one. During his childhood? During his childhood. Okay. So, yeah. So, Elena, born in 1909, was the daughter of a cigar maker. And she had two sisters, one of which died of tuberculosis. Uh... And she was also diagnosed with tuberculosis. So we're in 1930, right? Yeah. So she's 21 and he's like 53? Yeah. Okay. Um, Nothing to see here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was going to say like a lot of her family died uh, due to tuberculosis, which is really sad. But it was super fatal at the time. So, uh, so Tanzler obviously fell for her. And he convinced his superiors to allow him to try experimental treatment on her. Um, But it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was mad scientist-y doing things. He was using like medical equipment in its proper way, but he just wanted to like be her personal doctor pretty much. All right. So this is not to be, okay. He wasn't like randomly cutting off fingers and putting on pig hooves. I don't know. Um... So he would treat her with a variety of medicines, x-rays, and electrical equipment. But it... but he was a radiologist, not a doctor. Nope. And his superiors like, yeah, sure. You know, she's... Hey, he's Count Von Kozel, okay? Like, he's got to know what he's doing. Okay. <laughs> so, actually, most of the equipment that he installed in her home was done illegally. So, great job. Um, so, Tanzler, while he was caring for Elena showered her with various gifts, including jewelry and clothing, and confessed his love for her on multiple occasions. Tansler also showered Elena with various gifts, including jewelry and clothing, and confessed his love for her on multiple occasions. But uh, Elena never showed any interest back towards him. So, unfortunately, Elena did end up dying from tuberculosis on October 25th, 1931. So just a year later. Yeah, pretty soon after. On Halloween? 25th. Oh, I said 31st. I, was, I missed that. 
well, it's 1931. Oh, that's what I heard. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Tanzler, uh, quite the gentleman, paid for all the funeral expenses, and he hired a mortician to embalm her. Okay. Which the family was like, we didn't really request that, but thanks. Like, okay. Um, so they thought it was even more strange when um, he bought a mausoleum for her to be buried above ground in the Key West Cemetery. <laughs> you know where this is going, huh? I think I do. Yeah. So this is quite a coinkydink, but Tanzler owned the only key to the mausoleum. Uh, and, you know, he would often go to the cemetery at night to just visit the body, just say hello. Um, and rumors of his nighttime visits spread, and he was fired from the hospital. Now, go to your Google Drive. Okay. I see a folder. Where yep. am I starting with? Zeros? The zero? Yes. Go to zero, zero. So that's Tansler. How old is he here? Oh, I have no idea. Again, a lot of these pictures are, like, undated. He's German? Yes. He sure knows how to tan. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even notice that before. But, yeah. Um, then, if you go to the next picture, that is Elena. Okay. Dark hair. She does have dark hair. All right, then. Um, then, if you go to the next picture, that is her mausoleum. Okay. So, you can stop there for now. Um, so... In April of 1933, uh, Tanzler snuck into the cemetery and removed Elena's body. And he took it out of the cemetery in a toy wagon, just so you know. A little fun fact there. Like a radio flyer? A what? The radio flyer wagons. The red wagon, like you had one when you were a kid. Oh, those. I was not imagining that, but now I will. Thanks. I uh, wasn't uh, not happy about that. Okay, then. Well, you said toy wagon, so I just thought. I was thinking of like, you know, I mean, I was only thinking of like a little toy wagon, which obviously was a whole body. So, okay. Not, but anyway, uh, so uh, he now has her body. And obviously, it's been a couple years since she's died. Uh, her corpse, not in the best shape. So, you know, he thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to make this better. So he attached the bones of Elena's corpse together with wires and coat hangers. Um, and he crafted glass eyes for her face. Um, so he cut it. Okay. Yes. Ugh. Don't worry. It gets worse. So as the skin of the corpse decomposed, Tanzler replaced it with silk fabric dipped in wax and plaster. Uh, and then, as her hair began to fall out, Tanzler made a wig out of her actual hair that was taken from her head by her mother and gifted to him after her burial, which I don't understand why, but I don't know. Um, and then Tanzler stuffed Elena's body with rags to keep its form. Uh, he dressed her corpse in stockings and jewelry and gloves, and he kept the body in his bed with him. Because, oh, you know. Yeah. Pretty, it's normal. It's pretty 
pretty great. Um, but don't worry, he uh, he installed a curtain for her privacy. Oh, well, in between them. That's so, good. You know. What a gentleman. I know, right? Um, so you may be thinking, it's a dead body. Isn't it gonna smell? Well, think again, because to um to combat the order the odors of decomposition, Tansler frequently used uh, perfume, disinfectant, and preserving agents on her to, you know, not make it smell So, bad. like, his own Febreze? <laughs> yes. Okay. He just Febreze the crap out of her. Okay, then. Um, There's a commercial. Yeah, oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Living with a dead body? <laughs> Try Febreze. Uh, so, in October of 1940, uh, Elena's sister, Florinda... Uh, heard rumors of Tansler sleeping with the body. So there are some other rumors that I'm going to go through now. Um, so people had seen him dancing with the body. Oh my god. Yeah. It's like a Tim Burton movie. Keep going. It kind of is. <laughs> oh. And also people, all, um, well, people also believed he was building an airplane with which he was, quote, planning to fly himself and Elena to the stratosphere to rejuvenate her. Okay, this is science, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's not a doctor, it's fine. Uh, so she confronted him at his house and discovered the body. Oh my. Uh, please go to the next picture. Okay. Oh my. That's uh, what she looked like after he... Uh, you know, restored her. It just looks like a bad plastic surgery. Doesn't gone. It? Yeah. It's yeah. So just gone awful. bad. Right. Yeah. And I saw like when I was trying to get images for this, there was actually a picture of like, I don't know if they were putting them in or taking them out, but like the glass eyes. Okay. It was That's not right. great. I decided not to include yeah, it. There's no point. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Florinda, notified the police as one would do um and tansler was arrested so um when performing an autopsy on elena's body do you have a little prediction for i don't want to know what they found inside well too bad because i'm gonna tell you they found a paper tube that had been inserted into her nethers. Though it is unclear whether or not Tansler actually engaged in necrophilia. Oh but my god. Evidence seems pretty Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um so let's move on to the trial. Uh Carl was charged with quote wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. Uh, and, you know, the plain thing from before? Well, while on the stand, Tansler claimed he was going to use the plane to take Elena, quote, high into the stratosphere so that radiation from outer space could penetrate uh, Elena's tissues and restore life to her somnolent form. Yeah, all right. So, first of all, I have a little, one issue with actually I have multiple issues with that. But one of the issues I have is if he's replaced most of her body with silk and wet and rags and stuff like that and like wax, what 
what is supposed to become rejuvenated? Yeah, no, I think the the plan wasn't clearly thought out to its no. fruition, nor um, maybe corroborated by other scientific minds. But yeah, uh, it's really yeah. strange. I, I wonder why he didn't talk to other people about this, huh? I it, I just find the funny part that the rumors when you're like, oh, the rumor was people were saying, hey, he's doing this, so. Clearly, you know, he wasn't really hiding it. That's true. Whatever. Well, if you'd like to go to the next picture. Do I want to go to the next picture? No, it's not too bad. That's the plane. Okay. We are in a movie. (laughs) It doesn't look great, does it? No, that's, yeah. Nope. I, I, yeah, I, I knew of the story before, but I didn't know the whole plane thing. And it, it's. I'm honestly not too surprised. He was pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, well, uh, the trial was incredibly popular. And uh, actually, many of the public, especially women, found Tanzler to be, quote, an eccentric romantic. Because, yeah, digging up a woman who never loved you in the first place and replacing most of her body with glass and wax and silk with nobody's permission and then keeping it in your house that's so romantic i'm just trying to think what his real family who you know he abandoned if this became like national news what they're thinking going oh we'll get there oh no oh we will get there um so because of the media attention (sighs) elena's body was placed on display at a local funeral home and thousands of people were permitted to see the corpse. Please go to the next picture. So that's her on display. Um, oh my god. Yeah. So Elena was then buried in an unmarked grave. So as to protect her from any more crimes. Which I guess that's like one good thing to come out of this. Uh, so what was Tansler's fate you might ask? Let's get into it. Tanzler was not sentenced to any time in prison because the statute of limitations had expired. On the stealing of the body? Yes. He kept her for like seven years. Oh my. So nothing happened. But obviously, not learning his lesson, Tanzler requested to have Elena's body back, which was denied. Um, but he still possessed, uh, an effigy, is that how you say it? Effigy of Elena's death mask. Oh God. Uh, he moved to Pasco County, Florida, which is pretty close to Zephyr Hills actually. And his wife supported Tansler in his later years. I guess they just sort of hung out after that, even though he literally still had like this death mask with him. Which I think he actually kept in his bed at some point. I don't... Yeah. All right. So, Tanzler died on July 3rd, 1952. On his death certificate, he was named Carl Tanzler. So none of this Count Von Gossel BS. Uh, And it is rumored that he was found in the arms of the effigy. But this was not reported in the obituary. And he he made like a full on doll basically, and put the the mask on it. Yeah, 
and then another rumor suggested that Tansler had had the bodies switched secretly and he died with the actual corpse of so Elena. he found the unmarked grave dug it up or he before they even got buried oh god that's just a rumor though it's, right. there's no like weight to it but yeah really messed up dude really messed up crime i feel so bad for elena and her family it, it's it the the whole corpse thing is like texas chainsaw massacre had gained like the whole it looks just like something out of one of those movies he just thought he was so i i don't understand. i don't think he thought any of that well, i just no, think no, no, he no, was not that. Like, he like thought he was sane he didn't think any of this was weird yeah no i don't think he thought he, he i don't know who he was trying to fool or if he thought he was smart but oh my god all right so go to the last picture that is tansler holding a picture of elena Okay, well, I don't understand how we can look at that picture because, and then compare it to what he had because yeah. they're nothing the same. It's they are completely different, and it's oh, all right. It's very yeah, never heard that story. Well, yeah. now you heard it. It's quite a doozy. It is, and it's yeah, yeah. Carl Tanzler, like insane madman extraordinaire. Well, that's what I got. That was crazy, <laughs> spooky, and I don't know if I can unsee those pictures. It was a pretty yeah. good story, huh? Yeah. Well yeah. done. Yeah. So, you ready? I am. So, no thought from my hints. I, all I know is about someone who works with ghosts, I guess. Maybe there's going to be a Christmas theme since there was an upside down Christmas tree and the other picture was of like a, a stadium like a soccer stadium I don't know those hints the story is a um, again like a haunting poltergeist I don't know how to say it takes place in London um, not gonna go over the years yet okay do the years when we get to it okay all right so the three pictures. I will call out when I get to the portions in the in the story, okay? Okay. All right. So there's a borough in southern London okay. called Croydon. Okay. The borough itself is broken into three sections. Okay. Croydon North, Central, and Croydon South. Okay. Within Croydon, there are 24 wards or districts, so it's kind of broken up. Now... In the past, Croydon was known as a blue-collar uh, borough. Uh, they produced charcoal, metalworking. They did, like, leather tanning and things like that. All right. Brewing, car manufacturing. Um, but it also was known for its arts and culture. Oh, nice. And some of it was more on the... They had the Fringe Theater, as well as movie houses that, show, that would show art house films, as well as, you know, your regular movies. So it was a very eclectic mix. More recently, it's very diverse. Okay. Um, and still has this arts restaurant type thing going on for it. Um, in Croydon, there's a football club called Crystal Palace oh, FC. That's what that hint was. And they play uh, in Selhurst Park. So they're in the Premier League. There's other soccer teams, but they're the most prominent one. And Yeah, I've definitely heard of them. Yes. And, uh, you know, so for a borough and area of southern London... There's a lot going on in there. Yeah. However, 
1938, Croydon, or more specifically Croydon North, would gain fame for something completely different. Ghosts. Mrs. Forbes, 35-year-old wife and mother. Yes. Lived in a regular home. Okay. There's not a lot recorded about her name, and I'm not even sure if it's really her name. Oh, okay. In, in this sense. Um, and most about most of what I'm going to talk about wasn't even released until much later, until, until 1945. However, the rumors of Mrs. Forbes and the house and the things that happened there were prevalent Ooh. in the area. So one evening, her husband was not at home. I'm not sure what he did, but he wasn't at home, and her son was asleep. Mrs. Forbes would be attacked that night. Oh. She claimed that she was attacked by... A ghost. A vampire. A vampire. A vampire. And she displayed two puncture wounds in her neck oh, to say that, okay. look what happened. I got bit by a vampire. Now, no witnesses. Yeah. Husband's not around. Son was asleep. And there were no signs of her turning into a bat. <laughs> so it was dismissed. As something that she may have dreamed and that it was a weird, she cut herself or something, yeah, or whatever it was, but no one believed it. A short time later. She turned into a bat. She would be attacked again. Oh, this time by a werewolf. This time by some sort of apparition that attempted to strangle her using the pearl necklace that she was wearing. In her sleep? I don't think she was sleeping. I think it was just... She was just sort of chilling. Right, and... She had rope burns all around her neck to show that they were, and they were pearl imprints. Huh. Okay. Another time, after this had happened, she had another attack. This time, a tiger. A tiger. Clawed her arms, and she had five claw marks down the her forearms on both arms. Okay. Those last two events. So wait, how did a tiger get into London? These are all apparitions. They weren't... Oh, a ghost you know, so, tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So beings, like vampire, all these things. This wasn't like a... But again... Okay, a ghost right. tiger. Yeah. Interesting. By this time, her husband's like, this is kind of weird. And yeah. son's My a little freaked out. crazy. So he wanted to figure out what's going on. And he started to take her seriously. That weird, nah, things happened. So her husband and her son of course were first questioned as are you abusing your mom or is your father abusing your mother right. or, you know that kind of thing and um they were they you know like they came clean to like no that wasn't it and for all intents and purposes it the, didn't they said like they this. were a happy family the the authorities believed they were a happy family there was no reason they had there were no rumors no fights no neighbors saying they heard things or anything like that Okay, I guess you never really know, but. So now, from there, they went to go interview Mrs. Forbes, and she explained that these physical attacks weren't the first occurrences that happened or the first time she'd seen apparitions, but she had actually seen objects move or be broken throughout the house. So then more conversation with her father and, and the son to see what they thought or if they'd witnessed, they corroborated that, yes, actually, that they had seen 
levitating things, plates, things moving, all sorts of things. That's so weird. So wouldn't they be more inclined to be like, oh, this is probably real what my wife is experiencing? Yeah. Well, I think the way I read it was that, I don't know, I guess, I believe that things would happen like off to him. So I don't know if they were like sitting with the, they're all sitting around the table and all of a sudden like a plate rose. I think they may have just been, the mom was in the other room, all of a sudden like a plate went flying, that kind of thing. Uh, So, you know. Now, as more time passed, the frequency of the occurrences and the attacks increased to almost a daily rate. Mm. The family now believe that they, or more specifically Mrs. Forbes, was a victim of a poltergeist. Interesting. So they started to seek help from anyone and everyone. Eventually, they uh, were introduced to the International Institute for Psychical Research. Oh, all right. What's International Institute for Psychical Research. Yes. The IIPR. Ipper. 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 The founder, Arthur Finlay, was well known for his work in spiritualism. He also had co-founded and wrote for a periodical or paper called The Psychic News. Oh. Which still exists today. It does? Yes. It's the oldest spiritualist... Paper. It actually it it closed in July, two thousand ten. Just, but I thought it still existed. They were today. broke, and then yeah, it got reformed. Somebody oh. bought it, and in two thousand eleven, they restarted it again. Oh, but I was trying to find like the original. They can't get anything before two thousand eleven. Oh, that's sad. So Findlay was intrigued by the case, and assigned the investigation to one Nandor Fodor. Nandor Fodor? Yes. That sounds like a Harry Potter name. Fodor was originally from Hungary, and he was a man of science. Man of science. He had investigated other hauntings, and yet had yet to find one that couldn't be debunked by scientific explanation. He's sort of like uh, the other guy who was who always looked for explanations. Yeah, I'm trying to remember uh, the guy's Harry name. Harry Price? Yeah. Yes. Harry Price, yes, yes, yes. Who... So there were these competing research institutes. There was one, the other one was the Society for Psychic Research or Psychical Research. So when I was searching to try to find images, that one came up a lot more prevalent. And there's a bunch of famous people that belong to the society of it. And I I bet you Harry Price and others were part of that one. Nice. Like uh, scientists too, like Faraday and all these other folks. Oh, wow. Uh, So... Fodor um, recommended that uh, he should um, observe Mrs. Forbes in her setting, right? Right. So he did. He basically, you know, before all these things with gadgets and, you know, spirit boxes and crap like that, um, he witnessed and stayed with her, and he witnessed objects moving, objects being flown across the room but no ghost tigers um she did physically she was harmed but he wasn't with her specifically when those things happened mm-hmm. but he saw it so he was like okay there's something here still don't believe it i think we have to do this in a more um, scientific setting there is a force at work here gravity so photo recommended that mrs forbes be brought back to the institute and to be observed by himself and others. Mm-hmm. So she, when she was admitted to the Institute or 
whatever. I don't know. I'm not sure it's on the hospital. But anyway, she's there. They did a full body check on her, made her undressed and everything just to just make sure like there was nothing she was bringing with her. Um, and they didn't find anything on her. Um, she was also outfitted with special clothes so they could kind of see if she was doing things. So like, you know, I always thought that was kind of weird because I didn't know if the, like, is it see-through clothing? Yeah, like, a, it's kind of odd. A little I, sketchy, a little sketch. But it, it was, again, for purely observation. And again, they were scientists. Well, well or so we some think. of them were. Um, I This guy, Fodor, definitely was. Um, you know that people who aren't scientists or doctors can yeah. get pretty far in life. <coughs> Carl Tanslick. <laughs> so at the Institute, the um, um, now, you know, being fully observed... The incidents didn't stop. Okay. Dishes floated, crashed to the floor. Glasses flew out, um, you know, out of her hand. Objects from her home mysteriously appeared in the Institute, and the home was 10 miles away. They would fall onto the floor. Whoa. From, where did they come from, though? Just nowhere? Just out of nowhere. Like from the ceiling, or like they just... They poof. would just fall on the floor. That is really strange. Objects would suddenly appear in Mrs. Forbes' hands or inside a box that she was keeping. Huh. So Fodor and other, of the eye, and other eyewitnesses at one point witnessed Mrs. Forbes appearing to be choked by an unseen hand, and that left marks on her it did. neck. Yes. My gosh, did the tiger get opposable thumbs? <laughs> Now, Fodor was explaining that the phenomenon that Mrs. Forbes, the, the thing that was happening to her, he believed that she was wishing for the death of a man that she saw in her vision. And in her imagination, she identified so strongly with this death of this person that she was having this person hanged within her body. So she was seeing this thing, and to, to kill them, she believed that using her body was the way to kill this That's being really weird okay. and it doesn't make much sense so there's this thing where again she's witnessing some entity right, right. now Fodor still was kind of like <laughs> yeah right so he um still super skeptical and he believed she was still doing sleight of hand, trickery, and all these other things, and hiding objects in her clothes. In her see-through clothes. Yeah, and would basically try to distract, like a magician, distract people, slide into, and these things would happen. So, you know, of course, objects falling. So one time, he surprised her, and the folks surprised her, and they did uh, a strip search on her. Nothing. I guess, yeah, and I think it was one of those things where they did it... Um, not in a pattern, so she she wouldn't have expected. Like it wasn't like after lunch or breakfast. It just you know a, a sporadic spring you know spring it on her. Found nothing. Wow, interesting. And he still though was kind of thinking like I don't understand how this could be happening and all these objects are showing up because you know that's just not there's no scientific explanation. Still skeptical. He's like, okay, I know what to do. The way to make sure that this is real or not real, we're going to x-ray her. X-ray her. So she was, she objected immensely and somehow they got her agree. 
And then they finally x-rayed her. And as they did, Fodor's theory was correct. Oh, no. She was placing small objects actually underneath her breasts, like under her left. Oh, my God. And there happened, she appeared to uh, be able to hold things in her hands or have things hidden. And then she could appear. So she had objects around her her person and her body. They don't go into any detail if she had them in other places. (laughs) But it is believed that that's where she hid all these things. Oh, my God. But what about the the choking thing? They just think that she could have done something to her uh, throat. Use makeup. Did they watch her? No, they just. Well, they. they, So the thing they're saying is that they looked like she appeared to be getting choked and watching, but I don't know if they saw the things appear. Maybe she like used makeup and then when it happened, she rubbed the makeup off. So she had actually choked herself previously earlier to get the marks, but then hid the marks. You think they wouldn't have given her access to makeup? I mean, she was living there. So that's true. So interesting. So. The event, of course, convinced Fodor that Forbes was fabricating all the hauntings. And at the same time, she started, to, she was demonstrating hysterical reactions. She was having like abdominal swelling. And um, so when she did that, it would prevent people from actually finding things. So like she would complain about sickness or illness. So she, if she was getting caught, she would hide things and that kind of thing. Um, and what he believed was that she was just really good yeah. at doing this. Seems like it. She had a lot of people fooled. So he had a scientific um, uh, explanation and was actually researching her past and all these other things. So she was doing, he was doing interviews with her too on a whole bunch of things about her life and all this other stuff. And he believed that she um, was a neurotic and disorganized, she had a neurotic and disorganized mind. She shown signs of disassociation, separating emotions. She had thoughts and experiences for each of, of her conscious and subconscious. Oh. And these hysterical reactions and auditory and visual hallucinations were all part of the subconscious and conscious. So she kind of believes she had, she had a uh, multiple personality disorder as oh, well. Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It was so like that. So the ghost, the vampire, the tiger episodes were all attempts at harming herself, but they are a criteria for borderline personality disorder. That's interesting. So this case further convinced him that investigators must consider the psychological and the parapsychological in their research. So the psychological in that parapsychological right. research. And the mental processes involved in psychic phenomenon um, needed to be studied more. And investigations need to look for fraud behind this phenomena. And he, be- he believed the events surrounding Forbes indicated that the subconscious nature was what was the poltergeist. So it wasn't real. So... Um, he would publish these findings because he would psychoanalyze ghosts. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah, I would not have, if you put the name in or a picture, I would not have. I don't know what he looks like. Um, So he would publish these findings um, and discount the whole affair as a hoax. And this led to his ouster from the International Institute of Psychical Research. What? Because it was him... They believe this was like a real case and this was going to prove that and these ghosts haunting all sorts of stuff. But he had so much evidence. Yeah. Okay. What was the other one called again? Not, not... The Society of. Okay. Yeah. I like that one better. So. Um, no reason they had to get out of business in 2010. He was also shunned by his colleagues. Oh my God. And again, it took. This happened in 1938. They squashed everything. 
It wasn't until 1945 when all this kind of came out. And he wrote all. He wrote a whole book. You would about think it. that if you're a like a society trying to prove the existence of ghosts, you would want to find an airtight example. Exactly. Well, he did sue for libel because they were calling him a hack, and he won, Good. settled, and everything like that. And then the this incident, this research investigation, um, was named after that district in Croydon North, the Thornton Heath Poltergeist. Oh, you did do it. But in actuality, it was the Thornton Heath poltergeist hoax but that is not where our story ends oh before you continue i just want to say uh you're you're welcome for giving you this topic because this was actually on my list and i said you can do this topic if you want to and then you did well 32 years later another haunting would occur in Corydon north and here's the story of the thornton heath poltergeist the real like an actual part two. Oh. in 1970 the Thornton Heath residents weren't aware of Nandor Fodor, Arthur Finlay, or the International Institute of the Psychical Research, or if they were, no one bothered much about it. Okay. Life in this district of Southern London had moved on. All right. The th- streets have now housed or was ha- housed new generations of families, um, and it was you know their turn to make up their own stories. <laughs> in one particular house, a family was making their making it their new home. And the home was, again, nothing out of the ordinary, similar to Mrs. Forbes. It was a house that you'd be happy to raise a family in. When they or moved so in, they thought. <laughs> when they moved in, they had found some leftover items in the attic. Didn't seem like they were, you know, they were from the previous owners. They, they were really, really old. Um, they looked like that, you know, that they hadn't been moved, um... But again, nothing crazy or anything like that. And it was in the attic crawl space. It was not a living space. Um, and it wasn't uncommon to have things in these homes. I mean, these houses were here for, for you know, um, for hundreds of years, right, basically. Wow. So the summer is now coming to an end. It's August. And the family, I, again, I can't remember if they were getting ready for school because I can't remember if the UK has the same school <laughs> uh, calendar like we do. But uh, family are going to bed. Everyone's sound asleep when all of a sudden they are startled awake by blaring voices. Blaring voices. Yes. And at first they're confused. They don't know where the sound is coming from. They couldn't understand what they were hearing either because it wasn't in English. Mm. As they came out of the fog of sleep, they realized that the sound was emanating from their bedside radio or the parents' bedside radio. Okay. It was some foreign radio station. And one that they had never tuned into before. And um, I wasn't alive in the 70s, but could you do that? Could you get a signal from that far away or no? Well, I mean, radio frequencies, I'm assuming that people could definitely have things going on. And there would be a scientific explanation that if somebody was trying to broadcast something close by, you could pick that up on the frequency. So it's not unheard of. The, The... the father just unplugged the radio because he was like, you know, I don't know what's going <laughs> that was on. That was something you would do. And they just, you know, went back to sleep. Not giving it a second thought. It was what it was. Who knows? But little did they know that this was the beginning of pretty much, I wouldn't say the end, but I would oh. say it was the beginning of many a sleepless night. This is reminding me a lot of my Pontefract story from the first episode. I don't know if you listened. You weren't 
you know, in the picture yet. But did you listen to that? I did not. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Fine. It's fine. I Don't worry about it. I won't. Hey. Okay. So the next night, the family settled, you know, once again, getting ready for bed. And if they reflected on the evenings, the previous evenings, and propped to radio show, it was brief. And they fell asleep. At one point in the evening, the father awoke to find his side table lamp on. On? Just turned on. Okay. He leaned over, turned it off, was ready to go back to bed. And as he did, he noticed that there was another light on somewhere outside of his room. Can't tell if it was in the hallway or that kind of thing. So he got up and saw that that lamp was on. Okay. Turned that off and went back to bed. So from my sources, which I forgot to say at the beginning, well, a lot of the stuff I had found was through Wikipedia. There, There's an occult world that talked about the Mrs. Forbes one, Decode Past talked about Mrs. Forbes, and then Real Paranormal Experiences talk about the 71 and Spooky Isles talks about the 70s. But it's really interesting because when you search for this specific poltergeist, people say not the 1938 one. This is the 1971. So they go always for the 70s. They one. go for the 71, right. Um, so the thing I will say is that the way the 71 was, they kept the people and the family secret. They didn't. They never revealed their names. And there's a lot of just bullets of what happened. So I'm just kind of filling in the blanks for certain things because they talk about neighbors. They talk about this. So I just want people to understand that there's some creative license here. Okay. So you're just sort of like. Yeah. Because the way they say it, it's like, oh, so the lights were on and then there was another light on or this kind of thing. And so, you know, I just feel like, how would this work? And so right. I'm just going to go through that. So, again, you know, so he turns off that light. He's going back to bed. The next morning at breakfast, talking to his wife, talking about the previous lamp adventure. As you do. Yep. And she just thought that, hey, maybe one of the kids got up. And they don't say how many kids they had. I think they had two, but I can't. I, again, it just says this child, that child. doesn't say how many. I'm not sure if it's the same child. So one to two kids. <laughs> so she said that maybe, the you know, one of their children or the one child, got up to get a drink of water, forgot to turn something off, right. you know, that kind of thing. You know, Not that that ever happens in our house. Hey, whoa. <clears throat> so anyway. No, I think you're not giving me enough credit here. Uh-huh. So <laughs> he thought, you know, he thought, okay, well, that could make sense and whatever, forgot about it. Okay. As the nights went on, random lights would be turned on. And the father was now wondering if they had some kind of electrical problem in the house or if they were experiencing power surges in the area or what Those it was. Dark. So he spoke to his neighbors, and they're like, oh, we've had, had nothing of the sort. You know, everything seems to be fine with our, with our homes. Interesting. So one neighbor did mention, though, that you know he'd been up late a couple nights, whatever, and he noticed on a more than one occasion that he would see a light go on in their house and then another light go on in the house. Like in sequential rooms? And then another light go on as if somebody was walking... And turning a light on, 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 on. But not off. They're and just then in off. reverse order. Oh, so like pacing. Turning them almost. off. And he just. Oh, I don't like that. Thought. Didn't think anything of it. Just thought, well, maybe the father was you checking in on everything. Didn't whatever. Think anything? Okay. The father had the wiring checked the next day immediately. Yeah. And found out that everything was in working order. 
Yeah, it doesn't so, seem like working order. So it's like 1970 throughout, like end of 1970. Yeah. For the next year, like most of 71, the the lights, the the that year of night lights, night lights going night on. Lights. Those started to happen now in the day. Oh, wow. Their electricity bill must be through the roof. And lights would go on. Sometimes the lamp then would also then be shifted from its original position. I don't think they saw it physically move, but... So like they would walk out of a room and then when we, they yeah, returned... They come back, lights on, and the, light, on the and lamp is shifted. And it would happen, you know, throughout the house. So it was never one particular room. Okay. So some variation. Shaking it up a little bit. Then they start to notice that items were disappearing and are reappearing around the house. For example, knives would go missing and then be found in the bedrooms. Oh! This reminds me of uh, that old... Well, like when we were in third grade, when I was in third grade, um, our our thing was we would tell each other like like ghost stories. And one of the more popular ones was about like this family basically like the like the spark notes version is basically it was the this family and they kept getting these roses and then every night one of the ones would die and it turned out that there was like a knife in like a hand would come out of the rose with a knife and kill them it's just reminding me of that a little I remember bit. you telling me that story actually yeah it's my favorite one it was my yeah, go-to it's a good story it's a good story it's a good story to spook an eight-year-old for sure that's actually a good one um, you should, I wonder if you should just do like a night, maybe you should do an episode where you just read your favorite ghost stories. Like from childhood? Cause I have or a anything. couple good ones. You could. It wouldn't be bad just to have every once in a while. We could make, could mix it up and just to, like in between we're just going to do ghost stories, like written ones, just read them. That would be nice. All right. So now we're in late 71 and going into 72 and the incidents moved from misplaced items and lights to a more destructive force pictures started to fall off the walls and it didn't seem odd at first like literally just kind of falling down as okay. if you know the nail was coming out of the wall or the the wire may have broken that i wonder why that because that happens in a lot of hauntings i wonder like what the reason is for specifically tearing down pictures like maybe it's like well i think it's also to get so get your, your yeah we don't like your family because it was family pictures i believe you're not photogenic yeah exactly um so it went from that to groups of pictures oh. started falling off. So it wasn't just one. Just like in The Conjure. Groups, right. And then sliding across the wall Ooh. or coming off the oh, wall. Oh, I don't like right. that at all. After that, dishes would start to come out of the cupboards or oh, fall no. off tables. Are they going to, do they all start smashing on the floor and stuff? Some broke. At oh one point, God. the lamps were like, hey, hey, we had this, we started this with the whole lights, so... They got in the game and lamps started leaping off tables. Leaping. And what smashing against walls. Lamps? I don't know if they have floor lamps. Oh. I'm not sure. But I was imagining it's floor lamps. So lamps were like, hey, we want it. This is like uh in Matilda when when she starts like using moving everything with her mind and like she's turning the lights on and off and then everything's just floating around. I, I think I, the thing is though I don't know if they all were like hey we're doing it all at once I think one's like oh yeah hold my beer and then the next oh. one's like let me do mine you sure that like uh, what's that what was the song called like Itty, little bitty pretty one I think that's the song it's playing in the background while this is all happening I haven't seen the movie anyway Seriously. so now we're in Christmas oh, of 72 I know what we're doing. 
Oh, we're not. It's a good movie. Okay. Christmas oh of 72. Listeners, please things, write in and tell us how good Matilda is. It's a good movie. Things went to the next level. The family had decorated their home and put up a tree. That's the Christmas thing. Oh my God, is it going to turn upside down? They trimmed <gasps> the tree and had it outfitted with their family heirloom like ornaments old you know no, kind of like what we have are they like gonna all crash <gasps> one evening the father was admiring this tree that he probably put all the ornaments on while his children did nothing whoa hey excuse me this christmas you didn't do any ornaments and it was just it was mostly just krish mom and i so i believe i was doing something else were you podcasting doing a podcast so Okay, that's a good excuse, but right. still, you can't claim that you do everything. I, when... I wasn't saying me. If anything, it's your mom who does the majority of the Christmas decorations. So she I helped her get, with the lights. This she should get though, all so. the kudos. Again, though, if what about to, what what is about to happen happened, I don't think she would do it again. So, the father admiring this wonderful decorated home and tree. All of a sudden, no. an ornament comes flying at his head. <gasps> no. Pops him in the head, oh forehead, God. knocks him backwards oh into his God. chair. Oh, at least there's a chair. The family comes around him to see if he's okay. And as they do, the tree levitates up into the air. Oh, my God. Starts spinning around. That happened in Doctor upside Who. Upside down. And the ornaments come flying off the tree, <gasps> crashing all across the walls. Wait, okay. How, how, how tall are their ceilings? Because our Christmas tree is always like almost scraping the ceiling. Again, if this person was similar to how your mom believes a tree should be, it would be a lot shorter. <laughs> Christmas trees should be ginormous. That way, ghosts can't lift them up and turn them upside down. They can still lift them up. They're going to put it through the ceiling. So in this case, your mom would have been right. Because like, if we get a haunted tree, a tree is you not want a tree go that's not going to destroy ceiling. It could. It goes right up. That's just sheetrock. It's not like wood. Well, I hope it doesn't go through the ceiling. My room's above where the tree goes. Okay. Well, again, then you'll have a tree in your room. But I don't want a tree in my room. Now, what I don't understand about this in the whole story is that they're at this point, they're like, eh. What? Like nothing. They haven't done anything yet. They, even after this tree? There's nothing Are written they just like, oh, about wow, that. that was a weird shared right? dream? Uh, maybe they were just bad. And they thought Santa was like, ugh. <laughs> okay. So... Now it's after New Year's Day. So this happens pre-Christmas. We're like a week later. Um, whatever was causing that mayhem was like, like, I mean, I think they're like, can't you take a hint? Yeah. And they said, we're going to step it up even further. So How? one night, as the son was asleep in bed, on his back apparently. Okay. He wakes up. Oh, no. And as he wakes up. Oh, no. He opens his eyes. Oh, no. And he looks up. Oh, no. And what he sees is a body. Oh, my God. Levitating over his head. No. Also vertical. No. Wait, vertical? Like. Sorry, horizontal. Oh. Sorry, jeez. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Are you Christian? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> horizontal and um, staring right back at him. And No. That happened in Hill House. The. The son didn't scream. He just... I understand that, actually. That's like deer in headlights. Well, it could be also like the whole sleep paralysis thing, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Sees sees this thing and 
when he opens his eyes and looks at, again is looking at this thing, the thing disappears. Oh. But he describes him as just a very old man wearing, who was very angry and was wearing old-fashioned clothes. Oh, I don't like that at all. After that, on other nights, they would be alarmed by hearing heavy footsteps and voices upstairs above them. Oh. As someone was stomping and then sounded as if they were charging something or someone. Oh, I don't like that. Every time they went to go investigate, nothing would be found. Nothing. So wait, what, what floor are they on when they're hearing this? So this is They're what I was reading. First? Like again, they were just saying because at one point they were saying, and again, I don't know how if it was uh, how many floors they had. If they only had two floors, mm-hmm. but there was an attic. So I don't know if they were on the first floor. They thought they heard it on the second floor, and then if they were on the second floor, they were hearing it in the attic. Oh, uh, so, so like I they would just hear whatever was. Above it was always them. above them. But what if they were in the attic? Well, no, it wasn't living quarters up in the attic. So I mean, when they went in the attic to see what was there, they didn't. I don't think they heard it on the roof. What if they were just chilling in the attic? They just. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. They didn't say that. That. So, what ended up happening then was that it, every, you know, it became more and more prevalent. It was happening daily. The footsteps then would be when they were sleeping, during the day, you know, whenever they were, they would just hear these footsteps. Now, the family, again, weren't hiding these things from people or trying to say like you know i think they were my explaining christmas this. tree came alive and right. tried to kill us but was and the neighbors heard about it and the neighbors i think laughed it off so <laughs> one night they said you need to come and we're gonna have Sleep a we're a dinner party oh, you're dinner invited party. come on over this is like the beginning of a really good murder mystery <laughs> and they're saying we just i if it happens we want we, we just need other people to see what's going on because this is what's going on in our house okay so few people showed up they're all sitting around the dinner table having some drinks when all of a sudden they hear a loud banging kind of knocking um coming from the front door at, or at the front door well at least the ghost is like actually doing stuff with other people there because sometimes they're like assholes and oh pardon my french it stopped and then the door between the front room and the dining room started banging Oh, and f- no. And violently <gasps> shaking. Oh, I don't like that at all. As if, you know, you're thinking of the door's closed and it's just shaking back and oh, forth. Oh, I don't going like, like that. that. So what, a few of them got up to go investigate the door. And as they went to reach to open and approach the door, the door flew open <gasps> violently. No. They felt that they just felt this cold brush of wind like almost you know like a tornado hurricane force wind just blow them back oh no oh my god and then the lights and everything just went off in the house like everything just turned off and then one light no one light light, (gasps) came on this ghost is doing the absolute most so pretty much after that they left Please tell me they left. They're like, maybe we should call somebody. Oh, my God. And in all honesty, it's because of having these other witnesses. It helped corroborate the story and helped it was like to be believable. Right? Yeah. So the family contacted the church. Okay. The church pro- proposed a cleansing. That never goes well, though. It always makes it worse. And the family's like, bring it. Let's when do it. When has a cleansing ever gone well? That's what I want to know. 
Well, it didn't work, and it made it worse. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. So the entity's like, hey, again, hold my beer, and stepped up the game even more. And this time, not just the footsteps, now things are breaking. So it's footsteps, hearing the footsteps moving. And as it's moving... Are there any more apparitions? You'll see. So it started banging on the walls, and they felt a darkness now in the home, which they didn't feel before. And then the family also felt that it also shifted to a point where they thought of some cruelty and malevolence. It was just not... Before, again, not that it wasn't scary, but now... It was like... They were... There was fear. Jesus. So now the family's like, we're going to bring in a medium. And the medium comes in to figure out what's going on. Doesn't that also make it worse, though? Like, usually? So the clairvoyant comes in (gasps) and discovers that, hey, there's a spirit here. No, duh. It's an old farmer named Chatterton. Chatterton? Yes. Okay. And he is upset because he with you, charged. these particular oh. residents here, and he believes you're trespassing on his land. So after some research, they find that, hey, actually, there was a farmer named Chatterton who died on this property back in the 1800s, but owned it too. And the medium could not understand why it was this family in particular that was causing so much uh, ag- aggravation or why Chatterton was so aggrieved. Okay. To them, right? Just because to, people have lived in this house before, right. and no one's ever had any problems with this. So before. just to like, like I, I'm sure that there's definitely a ghost thing going on here. But just to like, I don't know, bring in another view. Um, couldn't the medium have just looked up the house beforehand, been like, oh, there was a farmer that died. Oh, absolutely. Here. I'm not. I'm not saying again. Yeah, I agree. Or yeah, like yeah, absolutely. So soon after that, another entity appeared. Okay. The mother of the family started to sense something following her around the house. Oh, no. And it didn't have the same feeling as that old man. And she just didn't feel at ease. So one evening, she was Wait, walking so up. Wait, so what was the feeling of the old man, though? Is that like the... The cruel fear? malevolence. Like She just said it wasn't so that So it wasn't feeling. that. It was something else. Uh, but she was still not feeling easy about it. It wasn't like, oh, you know, Casper. Ooh, <laughs> you know, that kind of if thing. Only. Um, so one evening, she's walking up the stairs uh, when she sent something from coming behind... Or sent something behind her. No. She quickly turned around to find an old gray-haired lady inches away from her face. And again, the moment she made eye contact with this apparition, the lady disappeared. There's got to be a horror movie about this. And this happened almost every night. Oh, my God. And it was believed that this was Chatterton's wife. Oh, my God. That was it for the family. They're like, we're done. Finally. You should have left at the tree. (laughs) They packed up all their stuff, moved out, bought a place somewhere else. Um, but and never were spooked again. Nothing ever, nothing followed them or anything like that. All the residents that have lived in that home afterwards never experienced any other occurrences. Huh, and they never figured out why it was that family. There was just something specific and particular to that family that disturbed old farmer Chatterton and, and then later his wife. His wife. But what, because don't ghosts, like, don't they usually, like, suffer a violent death, which is why they stick around like why would he be because if they hear sounds of like charging like maybe it's some kind of they, they didn't say if it was a violent death i think he may have just died of natural and causes he's just like the ultimate get off my lawn type probably so it's like you could have been well if i can it might I, be could be yeah i think i try to think about other things though because like, if they weren't getting the hint the first time i have to figure out something 
Yeah, it's it's, it's like uh, Beetlejuice. <laughs> kind of. But, um, so yeah, that's the Thornton Heath poltergeist. Damn. Times two. Yeah, that's a good story. Oh, my God. And there you have it. I have quite a fun fact for you. Bring it. Uh, Justin, in 2018, on uh, announced about on Valentine's Day, uh, there's there's a musical um, that was sold out for its entire two-week run called Undying Love. <laughs> about our good friend Carl Tanzler. Oh, my God. And I... Where is it? Where was it? it it's in Key West. It's... <laughs> it's I, there's... A, I'm just reading the article right now, and it says... Um, oh, never mind. It says we cannot confirm that the song list includes I Am Not Throwing Away My Corpse. Jeez. What the... It... It... I, I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say. It's so awful. <laughs> why would you make a musical about that? And why would you call it Undying Love? She didn't love him. What the? What? What? Well, if it makes a, a return, then there you go. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. That's crazy. All like, right. Well, look at this picture from the from the article. Like, he looks eerily like Carl Tanzler, like without some of the facial hair. Oh, God. All right, well. Uh, what? Excuse me? I don't like that. But it was sold out for its entire run, apparently. I don't know why. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, my. Jeez. All right, well, yeah. That was a fact. Fun. Eh. Uh, yeah. Creepy. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, you know, there you go. All right. Well, oh well, my God. Let's see if they Look do it. Right. The, okay. The beginning line uh, is this Valentine's Day, spending quality time with your beloved is a wonderful idea. Pop some bubbly, indulge in an elegant romantic dinner, play your favorite baby making music. <laughs> Here's what you shouldn't do body snatch your dead girlfriend's rotting remains out of a mausoleum and live with them intimately for seven years. All right. First of go. all, she wasn't his girlfriend. She didn't love him. So creative license again oh my god <laughs> oh my oh my god i've right. lost so much faith in humanity <laughs> let's move on to our spiel so that i don't have to think about that um okay is there anything to say before i get into it no no go for it okay so uh if you have suggestions for fun facts at this point the bar is pretty low given that <laughs> one uh, or you have story suggestions, or you or a friend has experienced true crime, a true crime or paranormal experience or something occurrence. I don't know. If that's happened to you, don't hesitate this, to send these things into us. You can submit them at our Gmail, which is everything in podcast at gmail.com. You can also submit them through our website, which is www.everythingpodcast.weebly.com. There's also visuals from every episode and a list of episodes and other fun stuff. So be sure to check us out there. Uh, we have an Instagram, which is at everything in podcast. That's where we announce new episodes with really cool episode art that I make. 
pretty yes. great. True, true, true. Uh, we also have a Twitter at between underscore podcast. Our Facebook is everything in between podcast. It's a group and a page. So join both. Do the technology things. Yep. Um, and don't forget to. Yes, yes, yes. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts because it really helps. And we only have nine ratings and no reviews. So step up your game, guys. What the heck? Also, also, recommend this to your friends. Join together. Unite. Listen to a podcast about murder. That's all I got. But uh, I guess until next week, goodbye. Bye.